For the second straight season, Kansas walks into the octagon of doom and comes out with an OT loss. But this time around, the problem was an issue that has plagued Kansas multiple times this season. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. We are your co-host. That's the man, Andy Patton. I'm Isaac Shade. It is a joy to be with you today. You everydayers in particular, we're so glad that you're here. If you're not an everydayer, that's okay, but you should be. Come join us on the Locked On College Basketball Discord community. It's free to join. The link's in the show notes. We have a blast hanging out, talking college hoops there all the time. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers, join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. Speaking of uh, you everydayers, want to say a massive word of thanks to everyone. We just crossed 2,000 YouTube subscribers, Andy. This is wild, wild that we're just, but you know what? To the moon, rocket ships, all that stuff, let's go. Uh, we are in the thick of it. It's early February, and it's only going to take up from here. Bring your friends, bring your kids, your dogs, and your wives, and whatever. The, <laughs> you remember that thing? Hide your kids, hide your yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Andy, it is Tuesday, and that means we've got a trivia Tuesday, and today I'm going to be the asker, and mm -hmm. at the end of the show, you will be the answerer. I just uh, <laughs> made that W and answer vocalized. Andy, here we go. This is Tony Bennett's 15th year at Virginia. How is that real, P.S.? Right. So my question to you after Virginia's <laughs> what against yeah. Miami on Monday night how many times in Tony Bennett's first 14 seasons have the Cavaliers finished top 10 in Ken Palm defensive efficiency? You got all the points of that? 14 years. How many times has he been top 10 defensive efficiency at Virginia? Got it. Boom. We'll Great. answer that at the end of the show. By the way, all of you listening and watching, you should be thinking about your answer as well. All right, Andy, before though, we go to Charlottesville, Virginia. <laughs> Let's hang out in the Little Apple. Yes. where Kansas State knocks off Kansas 75-70 to 70 in overtime. The octagon of doom strikes again. Legitimately, the second straight season for K-State to knock off a top-five Kansas team at home. Jerome Tang is 2-0 at home against the Jayhawks. Unfortunately, he didn't climb on the scorer's table this year, but he did go hang out with the students in the crowd. Andy, how many times this season are we going to have a top-10 AP team lose on the road to an unranked opponent. What what conversation have we had more on this show, Isaac, between these two? Either talking about top 10 teams losing on the road to unranked opponents or the lack of production from the shooting guard position at Kansas. Because now we get to just wrap both those conversations together. Those are two things we have talked about at length. That saves us some podcast. time. It's great. Yeah. And yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna wrap it all up into one one conversation here because Kansas, once again, struggled to get any production from players that are not K.J. Adams, Hunter McCall, Hunter Dickinson, Kevin McCall. Well, that's another way to combine. Yeah, right. Yeah, or just saving time. And Juan <laughs> Harris. Those four guys had 64 of Kansas's 70 points. 64. Sheesh. Johnny Furphy had four. He went two of seven from the field. He went 0 of four from deep. It is unfortunate the amount of pressure – 
that is being put on this freshman for Kansas. But it is also very clear that Kansas reclassified freshman, I might add. Yes, yes. A guy who this was not the this was not the plan. They knew he was talented, obviously, but this was not the plan. The plan was that it would be El Marco Jackson or the plan was that it was going to be Nick Timberlake. Those guys had a combined two points. Jackson had two. That's all that Kansas got from their bench. Two points from Jackson, four points from Furphy. Every other point in this game from came from the big four for Kansas. And we've said it again. We, we've talked about the fact that Bill Self doesn't use his bench. This has not been an, this is not a new thing. And they have had tremendous amounts of success while utilizing their bench very little. So again, it's not new. But with only four players who are really positively contributing, unless Furphy goes off, and the best games that Kansas has had is when he does. And like that's what is just so tough is like you're counting, your season feels like it's riding more heavily on a reclassified international freshman than I have to imagine Bill Self and the staff had in mind coming into the year. And it has put this team in a really tough spot. And, you know, shout out to Kansas State. They're doing it again. Jerome Tang gets to celebrate once more. But this is a team that just lost to Oklahoma State. They just snapped a four-game losing streak. Kansas State's not a great team. They got it done, and they do deserve credit for their performance. This is not entirely uh, just about Kansas struggling, but this Jayhawks team continues to be very mystifying and, and overly reliant in, in a spot and a player that I don't think they uh, – it's not super sustainable for them long-term. No, 100%. And and let's call long-term six games in a row for yeah, March exactly. April. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure, he is going to get that high-level production. We've said, like – if they mm-hmm. made it all the way to the national championship game, he'd probably do that three out of the six or four mm-hmm. out of the six. But you just can't rely on that. And yeah. clearly not El Marco Jackson or Nick Timberlake either. Yeah. Unfortunately, I would love to be because we want to celebrate. We want these kids to play well. Yeah. But Andy, it's just not been there. But as yeah. you said, uh, like enough dumping on Kansas. Mm-hmm. Tyler Perry, man. Yeah. This dude, uh, season high, 26 points. 21 of them, Andy, came in the second half. And OT, he had a 7-0 run by himself for K-State, uh, kind of down the stretch of, of OT there. Um, really, really helped things. And Andy, it was this weird, like, neither team wanted to win down the stretch. Yeah. Just both making some odd plays or lack of plays and stepping on sidelines, maybe. And it, I, I just, it was weird ending, Andy. It was a really bizarre ending, and we've seen that a handful of times already in the Big 12, where we've just had these these games that seem to kind of go off the rails a little bit. There were some some questionable fouls. I don't think they were bad calls. They were a little bit ticky-tack, but it was mistakes that players were making. Tyler Perry like had a phenomenal second half and a phenomenal overtime, but at one point basically just seemed like he was trying to give the ball back to Kansas on a really a possession they really needed to, to take better care of the basketball. Um, it was an odd game. It was a, you know, it was a funky result between two teams where you kind of expected it to be, to be odd, but at the end of the day, Kansas needs to figure out where they can get some extra production or some consistency in that regard. And for Kansas state, where I'm curious about with them is, how much of a resume boost this is for them because they need quad one wins badly. This is their second quad one win of the season after beating Baylor. The rest of their schedule is pretty weak. You know, they don't have a lot. They lost to Miami, which we'll talk about how that is aging incredibly poorly for them as Miami. With USC. They also lost to USC. (laughs) Yeah. They lost to USC, which was a struggle. They did barely beat Providence, which is okay, but Providence has struggled too. And this team is just not in a spot 
where they're very comfortable in their, in their standing towards getting an at-large bid. And this is the kind of game that they needed to win. And they took care of business here. And now they have these two marquee wins over Kansas and Baylor. Fortunately for them, they're going to get plenty more opportunities to pick up big wins. That's the, the great part about being in the Big 12. You may take your lumps, but you still have opportunities to win. And I still think Kansas State's fairly far away from that conversation. Yeah, yeah. But this is, uh, you can't do anything more to help your resume than beat a team that's ranked in the top five in the country. <laughs> No, you can't. But I, and and Andy, the problem is, and we kind of saw this for K State at times down the stretch of the second half in an OT is the offense to me just looks stagnant. Yeah, at times, um, like just waiting. Maybe we're just hanging out waiting for Tyler Perry to do something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and and the the offensive efficiency bears that out as well. Like right now, they're 159th at Ken Palm, mm-hmm. um, and you look. You talked about that schedule. I mean, they wrap up their regular season at Kansas, and then home to Iowa State. So wow. wild stuff. Andy, let's do a little uh, Big 12 standings refresh. Sure. By virtue of, you know, Kansas had just gotten themselves into a tie with Houston by beating them Saturday. But after this loss, now Houston stands alone atop the Big 12, but just a half game ahead of Baylor, Iowa State, Texas Tech. And wow. and truthfully, Kansas, who's now a ha- just a half game back. So, I mean, ridiculous stuff, Andy. Well, Virginia moved into sole possession of second place in the ACC. And and Isaac, Virginia, Miami, they're kind of two ships in the night. And they're going in the exact opposite directions right now. Virginia is in a good spot. Tony Bennett's team secured a blowout victory to kick off Big Monday. We're going to talk about that. After a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl week to those of you who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And if you're like Isaac and I, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. And FanDuel has so many different ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, right now the 49ers are two and a half point favorites, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored in total, and so, oh, so many more. (laughs) New customers, if you join today, you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more is a win. So just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, Isaac, we started Big Monday, not in the Big 12, talking about Kansas and Kansas State. The first game on Monday was between Virginia and Miami, a game that I expect the people who made the Big Monday calendar expected at least one of these two teams would be in the top 25 and that perhaps this game would have a little bit more uh, shine on it than it did, but it kind of turned into a, a Pretty hideous game, especially if you're a fan of the the team down in Florida and Miami. It was a 60 to 38 score, and you put in our notes here. I, I called this game a blowout. <laughs> it is a blowout, but I don't think you use the word blowout to describe a game where the team that won scored 60 points very often. But that was clearly the case here. Miami just never really had a chance. Scored 17 points in the first half. I think they scored six points in the first six or seven minutes of the second half. And by that point, Virginia just had a huge lead. Uh, Miami shot under 29% from the floor. They shot two of 20 from three. And obviously Virginia's defense is going to do that to you. But in a game where your possessions are limited, 
you cannot shoot anywhere near this poor if you want to have a, a chance of winning a basketball game. Miami also turned the ball over 11 times, which, again, not a huge total in many games, but in a possession-style basketball game like you're kind of forced into playing when you face Tony Bennett's team, you can't cough it up 11 times. Meanwhile, Virginia only turned over three times. This was a really rough game for Miami. Yeah. On the Virginia side, really good news for them. They're in second place in the ACC. I think they're in a really nice spot from a bubble perspective. They're in a nice spot competing in the ACC. But, uh, wow, it has been a, a really tough year for, for the Canes. It has been. Andy, really quick, as you were talking there, I just went through all the NBA scores from mm -hmm. Monday night. Two different NBA players scored more points by themselves <laughs> than did the Virginia or than did the Miami Hurricanes. Did any team Monday. score let, score anywhere close to sixty as their total? Boy, no, I feel like every team was probably close to double what Virginia scored. That's right, honestly, <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, I know it's a totally different game, but mm -hmm. good. I mean, that like that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Yeah. Um, Andy, look after Virginia's two and three ACC start, good on them. You know, yeah. like for putting this thing together, reeling off seven straight here to get to nine and three, as mm -hmm. you said, put themselves in sole possession of second place in the ACC. I do not think we would have thought that would have happened mm -hmm. as recently as like under a month ago. I mean, yeah. they last lost on January 13th to Wake Forest. And Andy, that's part of the conundrum for you and I that we were talking about is Virginia has these five losses and they are all by at least 16 points three of them are 22 23 and 24 point margins of defeat but it's like you almost have to just completely separate because after that it's been all these wins mm -hmm. i and i think that that's where virginia is the problem is all of those are on their resume you don't yeah. just get to count these seven wins and forget those five double digit losses those have to count. So now they got to keep stacking these wins to try to put themselves in a better position than uh, playing in Dayton or a 10 mm -hmm. or an 11 seed. And if they want to do that, they're going to have to keep making hay in the ACC down the schedule. Yeah, and they're you know they're they're not in a great spot because the ACC is a little weaker this year. They don't have as many of those opportunities. Yeah. But you look at this resume without looking at the actual margins of victory. You're going to see 17 and five. You're going to see nine and three in conference play. You're going to see they're two and two in quad one games. It's not great, obviously, but it's also not terrible. They're four and two in quad two games. They have one quad three loss. And you're going to look at this resume and you're going to think, okay, that's that's a team that's probably in that conversation. They're probably, you know, in the early 30s, maybe in the net rankings uh, and should be an at-large consideration. And, and then you see the the, the results and you see the 20-something point loss to Notre Dame, who is just just bad not this good. year just straight yeah. up not good this year you see a 20 point loss to wake forest you see and then you see they're 42nd in the net this is not refreshed so they will obviously be higher after this win over miami but they're somewhere in the mid 30s and their resume just kind of is blah at this point and it's because of those the margins of, of defeat in those losses but they're playing great basketball right now you'd much rather be peaking in in february or late february if you can that then peaking in november december which is when they were struggling so i think you feel pretty good if you're virginia right now and sole possession of second place in the acc is always going to look good uh for the committee's perspective but virginia's been an odd team this year and their resume looks particularly strange but uh Anytime you can beat a team like, you know, a team that went to the Elite Eight last year in Miami and you beat it by 22 points, you got to feel pretty good about it. But, Isaac, 
Uh, Hang on, they went to the final the four. Final last four year. last year. You're right. Yeah. That makes it worse. <laughs> Elite eight, two years in a row, final four last year. You're getting beat by 22 points. You can't even muster up 40. Like I'm happy for Virginia, but man, Miami's going in a really bad spot right now. Dude, it in India doesn't make sense because on paper. As you look at their roster, which I'm doing right now, which is why I'm pointing with my hands at my computer screen, <laughs> like the pieces are all there for this team. And I know it's it's Virginia, and so everything's going to look lower and worse. But still, Nigel Pack, 0 of 8 from the floor, 0 of 5 from 3, just two points, both at the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Matthew Cleveland, 1 of 4, two points. Wuga Poplar, 3 of 12, eight points. If those three dudes are going to combine to score 12 points, That's you're not bad. winning any basketball games, Andy. Yeah. And like Norchad O'Meara, thank goodness, had a halfway decent game for the Canes, 11 points, 13 rebounds, 5 of 11 shooting from the field. So like, hey, way to go, uh, Norchad. Like, and that's what you expect from him. Yeah. But you take that away, and it's really bad. I mean, they shot 2 of 20 from 3. They had 11 turnovers, which at a Virginia-paced game, who, by the way, is dead last in the nation in tempo. So against Virginia, 11 turnovers might as well be 92 turnovers. I I, I do not get this team at all. They're 6-6 and in the ACC right now. Here are their six conference wins for Miami. Two of them against Notre Dame, the aforementioned bad team. Two of them against Virginia Tech, who is decidedly average. One against Clemson it's the only one that looks really even decent because the other one is Pitt. That's it. Those are the only teams they beat in the conference. Like, this is a team that was expected to compete for a top two or three spot. Like, if before the season, if you told me one of Virginia or Miami is in sole possession of second place in the ACC, I for sure would have guessed Miami. 100%. Easily. Easily. Yeah. And, and yet, here we are. We're talking about a Miami team that's not barely 500 in conference play. They haven't beat really any of the powerhouses outside of Clemson, who is is fine, but Clemson is oh, really struggling in the ACC. Dude, Clemson's out here Clemsoning. They're yeah, they're Clemsoning. They're doing what they, they do every year. Six of their last nine games. Yeah, and now for Miami to beat them and then struggle, it just makes Clemson resume looks worse. I mean, these, this conference is really cannibalizing itself in a bad way, and and you see my. I mean, this Miami team. I mean, it's really – I don't think it's like Coach L has lost his touch or anything. I don't know what exactly is going on, but they have the talent. They brought in key pieces that should have fit really well, like Matthew Cleveland was a really kind of an addition that felt logical based on who they lost. We know Norchad O'Meara is a beast. We expected more from Nigel Pack, and yet they're having performances like this, and they're just not able to string together any quality wins. And, and now they're they're looking like a team that is – not anywhere particularly close to being in the NCAA tournament after back-to-back elite eight appearances. That is a shocking fall for this Miami program. Well, we'll keep our eyes on it, Andy. We'll see what happens. Um, Man, it's wild to see. Well, Andy, the good news is the ACC does have a team that's third in the nation right now. That's the North Carolina Tar Heels. They and the number two team in the nation, UConn, are both hosting big games on Tuesday night, we're going to uh, preview both of those, UConn versus Butler and North Carolina versus that same Clemson team we just talked about and several other games in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. 
passion, drive, patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers to roof racks, exhaust kits to LED headlights and more, whether you're into speed or power or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. Andy, we've got another solid Tuesday night slate of games, which is always nice after uh, Monday where we get big Monday and mm-hmm. uh, Monday. Um, <laughs> so we've got eight ranked teams in action tonight. That's eight ranked teams, by the way, by the Locked On College Basketball Top 25. Love for you to go check that out if you haven't. Two of which are against each other. We'll get to that in just a little bit with some ranked teams that are on the road. But first, Andy, we have teams number two and number three in the nation in action at home. Butler is heading to UConn to see if they can follow up a big-time win over the weekend and knock off the reigning national champs. That game is 8.30 Eastern on FS1. And then uh, an hour and a half earlier, we've got that same Clemson team trying to get out of this losing skid, heading to number three, North Carolina, 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Andy, for UConn, Steph Castle has had back-to-back games of 20 or more points for the first time in his young college career. Uh, it seems like the Huskies are ascendant. We know they were without Alex Caravan over the weekend. We don't know yet if he'll be back. Um, I actually haven't looked in that, but I haven't heard anything on it yet. So we'll we'll see in real time. But what do you think about the UConn Huskies at home tonight? Yeah, so Butler's got a, a real opportunity. to. They already got that huge win over Creighton last week. Uh, I think that was on Friday, 99-98. Uh, you know, as we kind of talked about Creighton as a team that typically in their losses, they don't score very many points, but they went out and, and gave up 99 points to, to Butler, a team that's been playing some really good basketball as of late, has kind of pushed themselves back into the bubble conversation, kind of weren't a team that was really on the radar as a potential NCAA tournament team at all. I mean, we've talked so much in the preseason about how great the Big East is. And we talked about, you know, potential big move from St. John's, potential move from Providence with Kim English. And we just never really talked about the Bulldogs. And yet here they are picking up that win over Creighton, putting themselves in a position to, to really kind of make some noise. And this would be a huge, huge opportunity. Having said that, UConn's playing out of their mind good right now. They play fantastic in stores. I have a hard time seeing Butler go into their house and pick up a victory. But even if Butler can play him close, can play well, uh, really kind of cement themselves as a team that that maybe is is kind of got the momentum going in the right direction for them in February. But uh, I have a hard time picking against UConn yeah. in this one. Yeah. Also, quick update on Alex Caravan. This is from uh, earlier on Monday. Um, mm-hmm. Alex Caravan ankle has practiced the last two days. UConn coach Dan Hurley said, quote, he's looked good. Today, he was almost a full participant in practice, end quote. So uh, that that sounds promising, but we'll wait to see what actually happens. Andy, for North Carolina, it's always the question of the turnaround and the come down from the emotional high after playing mm-hmm. a big rivalry game and winning that rivalry game against Duke on Saturday. Uh, Clemson is going to come in as a desperate, desperate basketball team 
As I said, they've lost six of nine. They've lost three of six. But here's the thing. Those three losses are by a combined five points, Andy. Good grief. So Clemson could very easily be on a six-game winning streak right now. They're desperate. they got to get wins. Can North Carolina match that energy and refocus after the Duke win? Yeah, I think so. I think Carolina's going to win this one. Uh, I'm really excited about the P.J. Hall-Armando-Baycott match. I think that's going to be so much fun. I think Clemson has some ways to to throw some intrigue at North Carolina. Of course, they can pull Hall away from the rim, which can can be difficult for Baycott. We thought Duke would do that a little bit more, and, and it didn't work for them. But I do think Clemson has some some abilities to make that work if Joe Girard has a really nice game. But Carolina has has played really well. The Georgia Tech game is kind of their only real blip on the radar so far. That was in anticipation of the Duke game, so I suppose there is some concern that that like hangover from the Duke game could linger. But I think Carolina is going to get refocused, and I think they're going to pick up a win, and Clemson's going to continue their their rough spiral in conference play. Man, that will be weird. Clemson was one of eighteen from the three point line when these two teams met earlier this year. Don't think, don't think that will happen again. Carolina was also able to foul out PJ Hall, so we'll see what yeah. happens there. Andy, three ranked teams are on the road tonight, all of which are in Big 12 play because that's what they do. Iowa State, number 13 in our rankings at Texas, eight Eastern on the Longhorn Network, which we'll soon pour one out for. Number 22, (laughs) I guess, I don't know what's happening in the Longhorn Network. I need to check it out. I think we're going to be pouring one out for them. All right, great. Uh, Number 22, BYU is at Oklahoma, who's just, you know, having some struggles of their own. Also Mm -hmm. at eight, that's ESPN Plus. And then 21, Texas Tech. At number 14, Baylor, 9 Eastern on ESPN. Andy, this is the lone ranked-on-ranked matchup um, Mm -hmm. of of the night. Um, We've heard from some inside sources that Texas Tech had some issues with some flu bugs this weekend and that they might still be kind of recovering from that. That is not a good recipe to go to Waco, Texas and knock off a Baylor team that's been playing better lately. Yeah, Baylor's look really good as of late. Uh, they've, they've been on a really good streak, and they've had some, you know, it's not a shock to see them struggle uh, at times, and, and I think they still will, and I think Texas Tech has the ability to make life really interesting for Baylor, especially if they're at full health. But I, I've been liking what we've been seeing from this Bears team, and I think Scott Drew is a, a fantastic coach. It'll be fun to see him and McCaslin go at each other. I think uh, just both, both you know, obviously comes from that same coaching tree, and I think there's a lot of intrigue about that game. I'm also really interested to see if – if Texas can defend their home floor here yeah. and pick up what would be a really good win against an Iowa State team that's been also very good as of late. Obviously, Iowa State and Baylor had that incredibly wonky game that they <laughs> matched up against over the weekend. But uh, Texas is a team that has kind of turned it on as of late. They're fighting for a spot. I mean, they're as bubbly as it gets right now with their resume. And I think uh, uh, losing at home, even to a really good Iowa State team, losing anytime you lose at home, you're hurting your chances. And so Ronnie Terry's team is going to be really on one to try to make sure they get a W here. And I think there's a lot of fun matchups there, Max. Max Ace versus Sammy Lipsy and then how that might shake oh, out. That could be a really fun one. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Texas get what would be considered an upset, certainly in the standings or in the rankings. But uh, it, it is we have we don't have the lineup right we now. Do. I'm we, looking at it right now. I was FanDuel, say, Texas might be favored, or at least it's they, they actually are. Texas by one and a half yeah. at FanDuel. Yeah. Yep, that does not surprise me. I think Texas might take that one. Yeah, that's very interesting. Andy, we got a couple other games we can just skate around on really mm-hmm. quick. I'll just read these off. You you go where you want to go with it. Uh, the two other ranked teams in action, Ole Miss at number 19, South Carolina. Good on the Gamecocks for getting into the AP poll, by the way, for the first time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they shot up all the way. What was it, to 15? 15, yeah. Unranked to 15. Wow. 
That game is 6.30 Eastern on SEC Network. And then the other is out in the Mountain West, Nevada at number 20, Utah State. Utah State coming off a loss this weekend, right? Am I thinking back to that correctly? Yeah, you're right. Yep. Uh, nine Eastern on that silly Mountain West uh, <laughs> channel. Andy, what do, you, what do you like between those two games? Yeah, I'm excited to see if South Carolina can keep this momentum going. Uh, there's there's not really – there are a couple uh, easy games in the SEC, uh, but there's, there's a lot of tough ones too. And for South Carolina, they got those great wins – over Kentucky and Tennessee, but you know, you still got to beat the Ole Misses of the world. You know, you still got to take care of these teams, the Texas A&Ms, the Floridas, like there's a lot of teams that, that can, that can pick you off. And and for South Carolina, it's about staying focused and making sure they still find a way to get a W, especially on their home floor. I think they're going to take it. I think they're the better team, but uh, Chris Beard and and the rebels are good and they're, they're not going to turn over lightly. That's a team that's fighting for their life uh, for a, for a bubble spot as well. And a, a road victory over a ranked team in South Carolina would look real good on that resume. So I think that's going to be a really fun one. It would be. And it finally came back to me. Utah state lost at San Diego state mm-hmm. over the weekend. So they're going to try to get back to it against Nevada. Andy, uh, just four other quick games to blow by Charlotte at South Florida. Why do we bring this up? You say, because mm-hmm. these are the two teams that are tied atop the AAC with Florida Atlantic mm-hmm. at eight and one right now, this game uh, is nine Eastern tonight on ESPN two. So uh, not Memphis, it's FAU and Charlotte in South Florida. Uh, and so that should be a fun one between 49ers and the Bulls tonight. We've also in some uh, peacocky action <laughs> for the Big Ten. Indiana is at Ohio State. Uh, gosh, got it. I mean, yeah, somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. That's the way that game goes. Um, I, I feel like Indiana probably should go in and get this one if they want to continue to build any bubbly hopes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that same also. Uh, the game following that Michigan state at Minnesota. Look, Spartans just, they got to go get this one. Andy, there's nothing we can uh, say about that otherwise. And then finally another mountain West game. We want to mention Boise state been doing some good work is at Colorado state. Andy, this game really, really intrigues me. Max Rice, coach Rice's son for Boise state doing some work. Can he do that against Colorado state? Yeah. A lot of really fun games in there. All right, Andy, very quickly, Tuesday trivia answer. Let's get to it. Tony Bennett's 15th year. How many times in the first 14 have the Cavs finished top 10 in Ken Palm defensive efficiency? Top 10. Top 10. I'm going to say the first number that came to my head, and I'm just going to roll with it because it feels like it's in the ballpark. I'm going to say nine. Uh, It is ballparky, and I'll tell you what. Yeah. I'm going to give it to you because mm-hmm. if they finish top 10 this year, which they're eighth as we record, it mm-hmm. will be nine. They have done it eight of his first 14 years, including every season from 2014 to 2020. How about wow. that? Wild, that wild stuff. And out of the eight that they've been top 10, seven of them have been top five. Andy, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd, that defense. Well, it held, held a good Miami offense to 38, so they are well on their way to being in that conversation yet again this year. Isaac, fun show as always. Fantastic slate of games coming our way Tuesday night. Really looking forward to uh, myself and Leaf Tulane. will be reviewing those games on Wednesday's episode, getting you ready for the rest of the week as well. Uh, thanks again to all of you who have made the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. If you don't want to wait until the next episode, feel free to join us on our Discord channel. There is a link 
in the show notes on audio and video platforms. You can click that and come hang out with us for free. You can also hit that subscribe button on YouTube. We got to 2,000, but heck, let's try to get to 2,500. Isaac, maybe let's try to get to 3,000. We can just keep going onward and upward, so go hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet. Apologies to the lawyer family. Let's go Kansas State Wildcats in this situation. We'll make it a specific team. (laughs) And until tomorrow, peace out.